Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. You know what that means? Uh, it's time to slow down and listen to the mystery of parenthood. And before we get started with this great show, um, we're going to start with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, Grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you who is life, truth, and love with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray Pray for for us. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray pray for for us. us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're so blessed today to have um, a repeat our regular, I guess, uh, person who's been kind enough, and we haven't run him off yet, Adam Earhart. And um, guy's turned into a veteran of this program. He's a veteran. We, I love this program. Wow, I love he's great. He's great. So we're we're going to talk about rule about why a rule of life um, for a family why that should be considered. I think this is in line with kind of what the mission of of parenting, um, the mystery of parenthood, has been from the beginning which is this idea that we have to be purposeful, intentional, thoughtful, and that it's not just thinking it. We actually have to put it into action. You well know, you said, have to, well said. You have to have a vision and action. And I think this, while it may not give the how to put it in action, it will form and where people I think are listening will, will hey, you know, we, this is how we could do this, and they can make it their own um, through that. That's what I hope then. Does that seem Absolutely. fair? Absolutely. Yeah, another intriguing topic, yeah. man, rolling off of your last time you were on about um, modeling family life after a third-order charism. Um, great. We're excited to hear what you have to say today. Yeah, uh, well, you know, we spoke. Thank you guys for having me again. Absolutely. Um, and so last time we spoke about the third orders um, and a little bit of the, maybe a little bit of the history and, and why looking at their charisms might be beneficial for a family or, or the to cultivate a, a certain spiritual uh, awareness in a family. And in thinking about it, sometimes we can get a little nostalgic. And, you know, those things are historical. We're like bemoaning some golden age in the past or something. So I think today, um, speaking about a rule of life, like how these monasteries, how these orders came about and what they gathered around uh, these these measures these standards upon which they they directed their lives if we can look at not only what that might look like but why why such a rule of life could be beneficial for us today we can bring hopefully some of the fruits that these third orders were able to bring about in the church through through the holy spirit um back in the day we can bring them into our own present moment and that's that's kind of the hope for today discussing yeah. like why a rule of life might be beneficial. And I think it's it's important because I think it t- it taps into what Vatican II encourages the orders to do, but I think it can be extended to families, which is this idea of both resourcement and aggiornamento, this going back to the sources. So here you're getting a why would this be, and then aggiornamento, you know, bringing it forward and making it applicable today. And so I think I think right we're going to be kind of going back to what the sources say on why this why something like this would be and if I'm speaking out let me know but then the the yeah. challenge at the end and maybe another show when you when you come back would be 
the the ornamento the ornamento the making it um, applicable yeah. in your own family. Yeah, and, and maybe we'll do some of that yeah. today too. But primarily, we'll be yeah. focusing on that. Why does it? Why would it even matter to a family today to have a rule of life? Right. Right, and and it might even seem prior to consideration to say, of course, you know, it's part of the, the church's culture of. But I, I think now uh, we talk about rule, and the word itself cuts across our modern sensibilities. It doesn't sit well with us. It's, you know, anything that we need to conform ourselves to, I mean, we, even as Catholics, we might say, of course, we conform ourselves to God's will. But a rule um, could be something that is, is is only to be approached with suspicion or something. So I think it's it's important for us to say, why a rule? Why conforming to a rule would be beneficial for us? Um, another thing I think is important is is to suggest that this is not another thing. I, I know as sometimes as a Catholic man, as a husband, as a father, um, it's like here's another thing that we have to consider. You know, like we're not doing enough. We've already got rid of the TV. Or we're we're le- lessening. Here's another thing that I've not have not been doing well, or I need to add to my um, list of things to do. And, and and I hope that's not what we're putting across right now is, is this is something beautiful and it could be a, a chance for us to regain our footing a little bit and hold to things that are are really valuable um, and to, to approach them in time and with patience and prayer. Yeah, and I, I think that it's, I think it's always, you know, I we try to do a, a mission statement and, or, you know, and, and look at what our charisms, what our gifts as a family were and, and, I think sometimes having a rule is nothing more than, hey, does this fit? It helps us make decisions about do we do this or mm-hmm. do, do we do that as a family or how do we handle a certain circumstance. So I think it's it's a, it's a maybe a little work on the front end, but it really, I think, at least in concept and the way I'm thinking and what I'm hearing you say is a way that allows you to say no to things that maybe you as a family should say no to and yes to Mm-hmm. things that should be added but it's really by itself is not another thing it's a well why don't we just yeah what does saint augustine what, have to yeah, say about yeah, this what does yeah. say? so so it's saint augustine uh who's who's recognized as being like the oldest um western church father that has has a rule in the west at least he says um that a rule of life is a measure or standard by which we we live a life in common that's one thing that's really important it's we're living a life in common with others, um, but so that we may all be intent upon God and oneness in, of mind and heart. So yeah. it's, it, there's an in common. We're living in common with others, which we know is incredibly hard. Like if we look at our family lives, um, there's a, we're different, right? And we're all imperfect. And so there's different temperaments, different personalities, different strengths, different weaknesses, and all of that. And beyond that, it could be just difficult to live in relationship with anyone, let alone the people that we're sharing right. the bathroom with, the people we're most close, we're closest to. Yeah, and different um, different ages and different levels of maturity different ages, and different, intellect. Right. I'm think I'm thinking. And, uh, let me ask you this: This is a, something that we yeah. that we do, and it's a little bit corny, I think. But I but I'm thinking that this maybe was helpful. Our rule in our house is if if it's not a joke, if not everyone's laughing. <laughs> So if if somebody's upset and everybody's laughing at the expense of somebody else, it's not a joke. And right, and right. so the, our kids all know that because I'll just go, okay, is everybody laughing? No, he's not happy. Mm-hmm. Any joke, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, um, that, that I, I think that's a beautiful point. Yeah, uh, this in common, this in common is is for communion and and you know it, it's funny. Even us as, as Catholics, you know, we're in common as much as we share the same blood or we share the same address. But the reality is, we were never meant to just bump up against one another or or try to avoid one another or just tease one. You know, the reality is, we're meant to really establish um, a deep communion and intimacy, mm-hmm. and and really, we're meant to be able to thrive and flourish. Um, within our dwelling place as as a family we often just live in houses but we need to really start building homes and i think a rule of life that helps us to live in common with oneness of mind and heart in trying to understand god's will for us uh, in, in union with jesus christ and his church this is the only way in which we can really establish ourselves in this in this depth of communion adam um, and, and exceed yes um to, to take you 
on a little bit of a journey off the um, what you have laid out here for us. I'm curious. It yeah. sounds like did this some was some of this inspired by some earlier thinking and work you did on the the hearth, like reestablishing the hearth as the center yeah. of the family's existence. Can you talk about that yeah, a little bit? I've, well, you know, I like to I like to journal and write, and we had a house where we had a hearth. And above the hearth, we had our TV, <laughs> and and yes, you know, I've I've fallen into that terrible, <laughs> terrible way. Of forgive me, Father, but, for I've <laughs> yes, forgive me. That's right, that's right. Um, but uh, it it kind of dawned on me one morning in prayer that wow, it's not only just problematic because of I don't know whatever aesthetic reasons, but the reality is the hearth was something that you know it warmed the home at one point, and it was what people gathered around to share this bond of relationship, uh, maybe telling stories or reading the scriptures, or uh, maybe everyone might be just in, in, in one another's presence, gathered around this hearth, spending time together, being present to one another. And I found it was, it was more and more deplorable when I started thinking about that, uh, that the TV was kind of replacing this central um, spot in our, in our house. And, and so in our new home, we don't we don't have a TV above the hearth. But this idea that there's something to gather around, and if we have a rule, and we have this principle of we desire a relationship with Christ, He's the way, the truth, and the life, and relationship with His church. This is a, a foundational principle that our diversity, our our differences, can can gather around this as as the common hearth. And that's that's well said, Thaddeus. That's a really yeah. good point. I like the idea. You do. You need to have a place where you where you gather. I mean, Stephanie calls them her gospel meetings. With gospel mm-hmm. stands for get on the same page, people. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. G for get, yeah. O for on, S for same, P for page, and people <laughs> for gospel. Uh, but I mean, it always happens in the same place. We all know, like when we come together. Um, I think it's important as part of a, you know, a rule, like you said. To, to, to have a place that you gather around and, and that you have, mm-hmm. you get on the same page. So, yeah. anyway. And, and part of this is, you know, bringing Pope St. John Paul II in this, uh, to his letter to the families, to Gratissimam Sane, in chapter 50, or paragraph 15, he writes something important here, too. So it's not just in common, and, and uh, it's something about the family in itself that I think, once we recognize the dignity of the family and the mission of the family in the in the present in our present day, um, then we start to realize like what's at stake here. And I think, for me, um, it's it's something that I've come to learn over time. There was periods in my life where I, I thought what I did outside the home was where my greatness would be lived out, or where I would do the important things. And when I went home, things just you know I eat my dinner and we. We were entertained and and spent time together, but it wasn't the stuff of life. The stuff of life was done at work or um, where I was excelling or doing something great. But just to kind of step back and to to take Pope St. John Paul II's word for it, he writes, quote, It is not an exaggeration to reaffirm that the life of nations, of states, and of international organizations passes through the family and is based on the fourth commandment of the Decalogue, Honor thy father and mother. It, the age in which we live is still threatened to a great extent by alienation. This is the result of Enlightenment premises, according to which a man is more human if he is only human. It is not difficult to notice how alienation from everything belonging in various ways to the full richness of man threatens our times, and this affects the family. Indeed, the affirmation of the person is in great measure to be referred back to the family, and consequently to the fourth commandment. In God's plan, the family is in many ways the first school of how to be human. So beyond any just consideration, uh, end quote, beyond any just consideration of theological consequences or particularly Catholic consequences or whatever, if we realize that the human person, for for him or her to, to flourish and to be given everything they need to, to thrive and live happy, uh, successful lives, in the way that they're attaining to holiness and virtue, it needs to have its firm foundation in the family. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm not getting choked up. I just uh, <laughs> went out on me there. But uh, 
um, so the first school of how to be human, and and I found that this is this is very a, a very powerful phrase, and and this goes to the fact of or goes to the point of why it's so important for us to have a firm foundation in our family life. Yeah, I mean, I so think a rule. You're you're saying here with Pope John Paul II that the the degradation of family life and all the threats that exist to it now and have existed to it throughout time in different ways, um, the collapse of the family, the disintegration of the family. I mean, we're tearing down the scaffolding that mm. builds the human person, essentially is what you're yeah. saying, right? And that's yeah. what he's I mean, uh, what he's arguing. And, and if we don't have that scaffolding there, if you don't have a scaffold when you're building a building, you're going to build a building that's going to fall down or it's going to be aesthetically, you know, uh, disordered. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of analogy there. Yeah. Yeah. And and one thing I definitely want to draw from that going off of that is that the the very terms he used, the first school of how to be a human. And, and, you know, with school, we we can think of a a classroom or, but, you know, you can't really teach um, without having established you know, ground rules, and not just teach in a sense of um, here's what we're going to talk about today, children, uh, but the reality is school gets its uh, root from the Latin scola, which means leisure. And so yeah. this idea of having a, 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 a culture in a family where it's rich and um, is, is, is a way in which we can actually approach uh, the gift of life and, and with gratitude this rule can really help us. It doesn't have to be some rigid thing, but it can help us draw closer to being able to actually spend our time in in, in good ways, ways that help us attain to holiness. So uh, Joseph Pieper writes about this, um, about leisure. He writes, leisure is a mental and spiritual attitude. It is not simply the result of external factors. It is not the inevitable result of spare time, a holiday, a weekend, or a vacation. Is in the first place an attitude of the mind, a condition of the soul. End quote. And so, if if we look at leisure like we often do in America, as like, hey, I'm off from work, let's start grilling and hanging out. And there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself. But if if our families aren't places where we value um, good good things together, um, with an attitude and a mind, a disposition to uh, gratitude for God, uh, a place for God, even in our entertainment and our and our uh, relaxation and our rest, we can become divided against ourselves. Our principles can shift, and we can start um, kind of uh, going towards different ends, different purposes. Right. I don't know if that that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I and I think one of the things that was I think we um, maybe in the last show we were talking about the the idea of of kind of offering. Our work and our sufferings and everything yeah, like that. Yeah, a couple but, weeks ago when we did, uh, we did holiness. That. the the um, the thing that the thing that I recall is, and I need to find it in Vatican II documents. It, it goes, you know, everything. It's talking about everything that can be offered, and it said, and he, they say, in leisure, you know, <laughs> can be offered as, and so yeah. we have to make sure that we are helping our children and our ourselves understand that that there's not a moment that mm. that is not something that can be offered in union with Christ to to that including yeah. including um those leisurely moments so there's nothing wrong with grilling yeah. and and gathering around right. listening to music and you know we're going to have a crawfish bowl right. and there's going to be a lot of work it's it's the putting right. it inside in the context of of the of something greater something more important i think that's that's beautifully put and i think that goes to the school of how to be human right because there's this temptation that we have to compartmentalize everything right and faith seems to stop on sunday or stop at the parish hall and the reality is that you know the good good all good good things that we enjoy are are things given to us by god that god uh, delights in our enjoyment of right, and so to to stop short of all, like to allowing God into the moments of just togetherness as a family is is a temptation that I I think my family has fallen prey to for for some time, you know, and 
and uh, just just trying to reorder our lives to to even um, offer up those moments is it, it seems like a, a silly shift, but um, it's it's I think a needed shift so that we allow our faith to permeate all that we do and all that we are. And, and and really, our, to be Christian is to be an integrated whole. That, to be human is yeah. to be an integrated whole. And so I've got a couple of quotes. I just I happen to have this with me that I think you, you, you've already heard. One is from Vatican II. It says, one of the gravest errors of our time is the dichotomy between the faith, which many profess, and the practice of their daily lives. And I'm going to follow that up mm-hmm. with John Paul II from uh, Christi Fidelis Leci, where he says, there cannot be two parallel lives in a Christian's existence. On the one hand, the yeah. so-called spiritual life with its values and demands, and on the other, the so-called secular life that is life in a family and at work. Therefore, I have maintained that a mm-hmm. faith that does not affect a person's culture is a faith not fully embraced, not entirely thought out, not faithfully lived. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you're calling mm-hmm. us to. And he's saying that family's even kind of been secularized. And he's saying that all those mm-hmm. things, not just family life, but we're talking about yeah. that here we have to bring and reintegrate what is meant to be there all the time, uh, uh, the yeah. spiritual and the material. That, does, that doesn't mean we're just praying all the time. <laughs> well, it doesn't mean yeah. we're praying all the time, but, it, but, but that can be happening over a barbecue or a yeah, glass right. of wine right. or, or mm-hmm. whatever, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, anyway. And I think that integration is it, it's a call for an order, right? Reordering um, our our hearts, our minds, first and foremost. And that's the idea behind this particular show is, you know, before talking about how, the hows of a rule of life or or what elements would go into a rule of life, why why is it conducive to our, uh, you know, holiness as a family or our good as a family? And that's another thing is um, this, this idea of, you know, it's such a difficult concept, but it's really not. It's, I mean, not to oversimplify. Well, I am going to oversimplify here, but that's good. Um, it's either going to help us attain toward holiness, or lead us closer to God, or it's or it's not. There's really no um, there's no stagnation in spiritual life, right? I mean, you're, you're either moving toward Him or you're regressing, right? It's 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 not a you know, there's not a moment where you're just yeah, you know, whatever, you know. Right. Um, so. The, the having our lives ordered toward that goal um, would help us, uh, you know, I think approach our differences um, and and a couple elements in our lives that make living in common difficult, such as like the differences we have that we mentioned, personalities, temperaments, interests, ages, uh, mental capacities, but distractions in our home um, and also the discord uh, that comes from these differences and distraction. Um, so a rule of life can help us approach these difficulties with the purpose at, at hand, with a goal. Because in our families, we're learning how to love, right? And there will be need, and love requires much of us, and there will be need for self-denial in love. Love requires sacrifice. There's a need for obedience because love requires trust. There's a need for accountability because love requires justice, right? God's justice is part of, I mean, we, we're we're grateful for God's justice. Without justice, there is no right relationship, right? And mm-hmm. there will be a need for repentance and forgiveness and, and because love requires mercy. And all these things um, happen in the family because of the difficulties sometimes, not despite them, sometimes because of the difficulties that come from our differences. If we're ordered, if we see God's hand in it, we can actually grow in, in love and recognize our great need in one another and edif- be edified in it as well. As I As you're going through this, what... This what I'm kind of thinking, and I'm wondering if everybody out there listening, and maybe you can jump in. I, I'm thinking, okay, there. I've never like expressed a rule, but I bet if I, I bet if I went home, there's probably four or five that my kids would know were a rule. I mean, hmm. every, you know, the, the, you know, it's not a joke unless everybody's laughing. Um, right. That's that's one. Another another one is is we we will not go to bed angry at one another. We can go to bed disagreeing, but we will not go to bed angry. So we have, you know, a 30-minute rule. If you don't want to make up, that's that's fine. You can have 30 minutes to yourself. But we are coming back before we go to bed to do that. Right. That's been – I mean, so there are things that I know my kids would know. I've not 
written them down. I, I imagine that most people out there, I would think, probably have some rules. Isn't one of them in your house, we don't whoop? <laughs> I got an Aggie uh-huh. graduating on Friday. No, so, I know. So, I know. so oh, we man. is an overstatement. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, It might have been before, but it isn't anymore. (laughs) Divided house. Divided Uh, house. That rule's got to change. It's called being flexible. Hey, can I I take us back to, um, were you? you, I'm done. Okay. And and this is not too far afield. I want to just go back up to Joseph Pieper and his leisure as a condition of the soul and put out there that, you know, I think it's a good exercise is to, um, you know, stop and think about how many times in a day or maybe how many times in a week when we're with our families do we have those moments where we're just delighting in our spouse or just delighting in our kids? And what what's the texture of those moments that leads to us delighting in them? And I think if... Yeah. I think if we are kind of coming up at the end of that mental inventory and saying, mm, there's not too many, or if we're saying, man, that's, there's a lot, then that can help us judge how are we, you know, that maybe the extent to which we've already got kind of a rule that you're talking about in place. Mm-hmm. And then that would maybe help guide us with um, how do we further refine that rule or if there's not many of those moments, it might tell us, boy, this might be something I, we really need to devote some real thought and effort to my, yeah. my wife and me. Um, that's a beautiful, yeah. 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 Beautiful thought. So sorry to stop yeah, I, the show. I, short, short no, 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 no. That's that excellent. No, that was a beautiful thought. Yeah. I think that's, that's right. Because I, you know, as you mentioned, I was just thinking, you know, every family is a little different, you know, and, and so that, you know, there's, like we said in the beginning, this isn't just a to-do list and add another thing of, oh, great, you know, we're not living a Catholic enough lives or something, but, you know, just bringing it back to that point of, of, am I grateful? You know, do I spend time with, in gratitude and being present to that reality that God is blessing us as a family to be together? I mean, I think that's, undergirds all of this if we, if we I, stray I th- from that too far we could uh, run into just doing things for the sake of trying to i don't know add another uh i don't know another thing to to try to create a hassle over and, and to i don't know but I, I i see what you're saying yeah and i think I, I guess what i'm getting from you a little bit is kind of in the ideal state we would be we would be delighting in doing a chore with our siblings or we would be delighting in doing something that even maybe isn't that glamorous or that enjoyable or maybe we we don't like to do when we have to do it by ourselves but because we're doing it Mm -hmm. in common in the common of the family we actually delight in it and we derive meaning from it and it enriches us Um, that's kind of what you're almost absolutely that's your sort of ultimate vision i i think is what i'm gathering yeah i I think that's precisely it but you know it's it's kind of funny because each rule and not funny it's it's telling that each rule makes a makes um a lot of comments about you know the angry monk or (laughs) or like people that suffer from certain things um so it you know the church fathers and and uh the monastic fathers they knew that you know we can't assume that everybody's going to be delighting um, mm-hmm. or, or sufficiently holy. But I think what they understood is that to get to a point of, of of rejoicing in life in common in this way, there needs to be an understanding that um, even despite those attitudes, that's the goal, right? Mm-hmm. The goal is that this is for our holiness and this is for our good and this is for our ability to love the way God loves uh, better, to get beyond ourselves. And I think that's precisely the point is, is at first we might be grumbling and it might be natural, more natural for one person to grumble um, about one thing, whereas someone else might be able to pick up the slack a little better. And that's precisely where the differences come in that can, can be a cause of tension, but also can actually be, help us be more united um, in that say we're doing something and one person is better at it than the other if I know I'm better and that person's grumbling, 
you know, this ability to like be aware of the difference um, and to be able to approach that task or whether it's a chore with that in mind could be beneficial as a family. Those things come about only through this this understanding that this is about our holiness, like this scrubbing the floor or whatever it is. And, you know, this is nothing new. We as Catholics have read this, these beautiful quotes from saints about, you know, Mother Teresa saying, do the dish because of the love, because of your love for the one you're cleaning it for, not because mm-hmm. it's a duty or an obligation, right? That's the goal. And that yeah. dish, just like St. Teresa of Avila, you know, God is in the, the pots and pans. I mean, that's loosely paraphrased. I don't know exactly. That. That's, that's from the catechism, I think, that's right? That's catechism. That sounds like <laughs> right out of catechism. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, it's a but, yeah. 2220. <laughs> but but yeah, so I, there's a there's a there's a line that I that I, I need to, I'm trying to find it but um I believe John Paul II says it talks about happiness being when somebody's doing what they want when they're doing what they ought. Meaning that mm. when they're they're what they should be doing is aligned with what they're desiring to do. And it's all kind of becoming one. That's where happiness lies in that intersection. And I think that maybe having a rule and, and being more, I mean, one of the biggest things that we've talked about is taken from the liturgy, you know, the liturgy kind of of life and of family life is extent, you know, we extend what the church teaches about what the liturgy should be, which is we should be, you know, conscious, active and complete or full participants in the liturgy. And I think there's a sense in mm-hmm. which you're getting at, which is this idea of, of all those things. We need to be active. We need to be conscious and we need to be fully engaged our entire selves integrated whole mm-hmm. <laughs> in doing the dishes or mopping the floors, you know, like I said, yeah. in the catechism 2021, I think, or maybe it's 20. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't know what your thoughts yeah, on that. I need to find that quote because I know that's out there, but I think there's something to be yeah. said about, you know, that our happiness lies in, in there are responsibilities and duties that we have, but there's joy found in doing those, not this, or doing them yeah. to escape so I can do something else. That's the disintegration, I guess, that, that causes. Right. And this, Thanks. That's it. You're absolutely right. And and Paper mentions this also in Leisure Basis of Culture is where I get it. But he says leisure, um, it must be remembered, is not a Sunday afternoon idol, but the preserve of freedom, of education and culture, and of that undiminished humanity which views the world as a whole. It's it's allowing God into um, every aspect of our life. And this can only happen through through a deep prayer life. This can only happen through being centered around the church and, and her sacramental graces. And that would be part of the how-to with the rule of life. But the why still, to think of this integration, um, the, the, it's almost like our, our cult, not almost, our culture promotes this individualism, right, or diversity for the sake of diversity. The differences tend to divide more than they unite. And, you know, like like Thaddeus jokingly said, you know, the house divided against itself, right? But Jesus mm-hmm. said it will not stand. And so we need to be united around him. We need to be united in uh, our love for God. And this happens in, in cultivating prayer in the home. We could talk about how to later, but I think this is important for us as Catholic families to say, like, what what do we hold in common as a culture anymore? I mean, we have ancestors, and it used to be a, a, a tradition of oratory in this nation, and people would get up and speak about the fathers of this nation, and, you know, as, even as Americans. What do we hold in common? Ought we to, should we have something that we hold in common? It's, it's almost as if now we're being told for an individual to be an individual, they need to just stand against every other person in a unique way. But that's not the uniqueness we're called to. We are unique. And that doesn't go away, but we're called to be united in our uniqueness and to recognize that our gifts, our talents, our strengths are a part of a mission. They're part of God's will for us, and we might have these differences within the walls of our home, but therefore our edification, therefore our holiness. They're not to, to pull us apart. They're not, you know, and, I, and it makes me so sad. This, I might get choked up, guys, get out the tissues, but it makes me sad to see so many families alienated from one another. Um, and, and it could be, these differences could be um, great points, um, privileged moments where we can come into contact with the other, you know, parts of God's love that, 
you know, or his, his giftedness or his strengths that he's giving to his people. Um, and we, we come in contact with this through our own weaknesses and through our own differences. And so if we're united in Jesus Christ in the life of grace, um, we can we can allow these differences in our homes, allow uniqueness and respect uniqueness without just saying, oh, they're different because they believe something different or they wear, they dress differently or whatever it is. No, the uniqueness is, is much deeper. And it, it's in, and we're unique in the eyes of God as well. It's not because of us, you know, flipping our fingers off at, at, as an established rule or something. That's not unique. Yeah, it's, That's like a insecurity of making itself seem unique because you don't feel unique enough, right? So it's, it, I don't want to promote individualism, but the differences can be a cause for uniting in Christ, not um, driving us further apart. Yeah, and I think I think that you you make a great because this gets back to the whole basis for the mystery of parenthood being that the family is meant to be a, an outward sign of God God's family of the way things work, and there's this always this tension in Catholic thinking, always this intention in Revelation, this tension that I think we have to the diversity and unity are built into the very fabric of creation because that is the very mm-hmm. essence of who God is. He is a yeah. union. He's one, but he's three, you know, mm-hmm. one God, three persons. And so, again, this is the connection between why theology does matter in real life is that we can actually keep these things in tension yet together, not, not, not meaning like it's, yeah. it's either diversity or it's unity you know, mm-hmm. um, it's either freedom or it's rules, you know, it, you know, it's either yeah. nature or it's grace. I mean, no, it's the faith or reason. It's faith or reason. You know, yeah. there's all these things that kind of, that tend in a human aspect to be put in opposition to one another when in fact, they're actually the things that keep us in balance, so to speak. So yeah. when you start going one direction, towards diversity we got to remember that that call is back to unity but we it's not unity at the expense of you know everybody's going to be dressed the same look the same yeah. think the same talk the same you know that right. we have to honor that diversity god in his yeah. very being i mean <laughs> honors the three persons so yeah, and, and and I think that a, a rule and rule in life for a family in here like I think this allows us to accept diversity without doing away with unity. Um, right. Because I think without a rule, without a principle, without that which binds us together, diversity becomes diversity for diversity's sake. And that's problematic, as we see in our culture. But this rule, like having that gathering place, having that Jesus Christ who we gather around, it's like, you know, the the principle of, you know, the first in intention is last in action, right? If we have that intention, the the if we have the goal of holiness, which is relationship with God in mind, then diversity that gathers around that intention will will not stray far away. So we don't have to worry so much about our daughter wanting to, you know, dye her hair red or something. If 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 you know her desire for holiness is the the first intention in in her life, and we continue to gather around that, and maybe obviously we can have a conversation about certain decisions and choices, but. If that's what we gather around continually as a family, that's going to keep us from um, harping on those seeming diversities that are um, contrary to holiness, this false sense of respectability or, you know, harping on things that aren't um, contrary to holiness or going to inhibit us from being holy people. Right. So it it helps us stay on task, on cue, uh, in tune. You know, it's like a symphony. There's many instruments um, if all the instruments are tuned differently, um, we're going to have a problem, and it's going to be disgusting. Right. But if if we're different instruments with different or different voices, and we're singing off key, but if we're all in unison, it's a symphony, right? And the family is symphonic. It's not supposed to be a cacophony of of competing voices. Yeah, and I I think to uh, take that analogy even a little bit farther is um, yeah, there has to be an agreement on this is what a quarter note is. This is what an eighth yeah. note is. This is what yeah. the key of A is. This is what the key That's of right. C is. There right. can't there, there have to be some some you know hard and fast um, 
constants. Yeah. So truth. So truth yeah. has to. Truth unites. Je- so Jesus, yeah. who is the way, the truth, and the life, is is the one who unites. But truth unites. So you, you can't say a quarter note's one thing for one person and something different for another, and have that. So there has to be things that we agree on that are yeah. truthful. And then I think the way as a parent you, you, you measure is, is this a violation of what's true, good and beautiful <laughs> or yeah. is it just, or is it just a, a, some choice that somebody's making that opinion, the opinion yeah, taste is, and preference you know, or something like something that. like that. And I think that that's yeah, and a critical. That's what we see. And we see that out in the public square and we, and we bemoan it. Right. And, and we can't allow that into our homes. You know, we have to, have we have to establish these 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 rules of life in the sense where you know like you said if we're gathering around the truth that is Jesus Christ and his church um then we can we can allow certain variances that don't contradict that and only in as much as they do not go contrary to that um it but it, this gives us principles uh, we need to be principled people and I, I know, like I said, it might not be promoted um, in the culture at large. Actually, you know, it's it's this idea of you're 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 more open or more truthful with yourself, or honest, or sincere, or authentic. If if you don't get hung up on this this uh, one way of, of thinking, but actually, we're looking for the integrated whole that you mentioned, Trey, and that Peeper mentions is that it's not meant to be a cacophony, right? It's a symphony. And that's what we're we're going toward. So Adam, we probably have about ten minutes. I wanna get us yeah. to this next meaty section, which is you you talk okay. about how the rule a rule a family rule would lead to activities, leisure, entertainment, um, being in coherence with that rule. Yeah. And you give some so, very concrete examples of what this might look like. Yeah. So another thing with the, like this, this false sense of diversity, right? Without unity, we also have distractions, um, that keep us from, you know, staying, uh, keeping our eyes on the cross, keeping our eyes on Christ. And, um, a rule of life can help us, you know, from our principle, from our intention of, of holiness, of moving towards this and, and, and being united in that, we can actually look at the way we choose to, um, spend our time, right? There is expenditures, right? That we're we're all called to spend massive amounts of money on things we can't afford. We're we're called to spend massive massive amounts of time away from the home. We're called to spend a lot of things, and we're spent. And that's something that rule of life can help us uh, stave off that that temptation to to follow in line, fall in line with that kind of thinking. Because I don't know about you guys, but it's easy to say. If I work more hours, I can be more successful. Or if the kid does seven sports as opposed to one, he'll be more liked um, or have more opportunity. Or there's all these ways. If we get all the the current devices, then you know we can keep up with the trends or whatever it is. There's all these these calls to false expenditure, and this, this idea of having a rule can help us stay clear of of just falling into those. Because the more we're distracted, the less space we have for uh, discernment. The more we're distracted, the less, uh, the, the more noise we have, the more um, uh, barriers we have to silence and and the quieter things. Which, in 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 the Bible, in in church history, in in the saints' lives, you know, the the quieter things, the silent moment is very important. And I found in my own life, this doesn't come from a place of preaching, guys. This comes from a place of having suffered from having too much noise in my home. Too much devices, too too many devices, too too much time spent trying to chase after you know just entertainment or something. And what you realize is like we can only take in so much, right? And if we're saturated like a sponge with all of these stimulants, um, the moment we have in in to rest in silence becomes unbearable. And this isn't anything new. We know that you know. This is something deeply Catholic, deeply Christian, deeply spiritual, but and yet it, it's still tempting to go after these distractions because it fills up our schedule. Right. You know, it's it's you know we go from one thing to the next and one entertainment to the next. I, I know people that, and sports in and of themselves are, are great things, but I know people that their whole weekend is devoted to going to several different sporting events and then 
you know, when it comes time to spend time together as a family, it, it's it's not there. Or uh, if it is there, it's very paltry at best. And and that's something that not to say you do away with it all, but it, you know, are we are we talking about how are we establishing those bonds of of relationship as not only as individuals but as a family? How are we spending time with one another? Um, saying no, you need to talk with your sister. You know, you need to just be present and enjoy life together. Like that's important. And yeah. if we allow all these things to overwhelm us, then we'll, it's not only a matter of time. Um, it becomes a matter of of our own hearts, our own um, disposition to receive the time that God gave us, as opposed to using up every last bit with something that was manufactured or something that we made up or something that we're pursuing. Yeah. Um, the, uh, you made me think of two things. One, I have a good, we have a good friends that, that their rule had, one of their rules was never, n- never three nights in a row. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that was just, so they were, if they were gone, you know, Thursday and Friday, they were going to be home Saturday night, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. so I've never been able to implement that, but, but, but at least I think that's part of what you're saying, and I know they had value, and there were times when I thought I needed to do that. The other thing is, is we we came from from a um, from a baseball family, particularly when their kid was older, and I what when it was just one child and it was all of us together, we were able to make that. My my girls know more baseball than most guys. I always say, if the guy you got to marry has got to know more baseball than you. <laughs> <laughs> that's a standard. That's a rule. That's a cat. That's from the cashikism. So, what is the what is the infield fly rule, but, Bobby? Uh, but but um, but but I but I think that we were consciously making it a family event yeah. to go to that. Yeah. What did happen was is, is that as kids, and it had to be reevaluated. As kids started, we started recognizing that on weekends when we had two kids playing baseball on different teams in different cities, that we began to be broken apart and that became disintegrated disintegrated but started to become mm-hmm. something that was not bringing us together instead it was tearing us apart and so we had to make mm-hmm. you know, different things to make decisions on on that but i again this is partly part about being conscious and intentional in your decisions and ultimately we're called to be a family a, a unity mm-hmm. a, an integrated whole unique and unrepeatable we're a baseball family um, but ultimately we're Christian, so we have, we had yeah. to do that. So I think I like the way that you're talking about, you know, we have to, we have to look at what we're doing in the context of, of a rule and, in, and how close that we're living to Jesus at the center and unity mm-hmm. in diversity being there. Yeah. So. And, and I think you're, you're hitting on something too, like the need for, as a family to prepare our kids to be able to you know, become, you know, men and women that are able to, um, you know, they're obviously going to move out of the home. They're obviously going to um, start their own families, hopefully, uh, God willing, um, or enter into a religious life, God willing, uh, or whatever they're going to do. And if we can give them as many tools as we can to to do that with God as center of their lives, God's will, and not to ever leave entirely, um, that notion of family, it's almost, you know, even now, you know, once your grandparents grow old, you know, the, the idea is, unfortunately, that, you know, they'll go to a home to suffer and, and die, not to be too controversial, but it, it becomes, our idea of family even is, is disjointed, where you grow up in a house, you leave, and then you start your own life and uh, your own family, and it's becoming more and more difficult to bring those families together, right, this intergenerational um, life that that you know used to be prevalent in, in Western culture, this you know the family stuck together, and now I mean in my own family even it's difficult for us to to stay uh, you know together in you know not only location but just making an intentional effort to be, remain close with the siblings and with the cousins and things like that. That um, once you leave the home, it, it became it becomes harder and harder. I mean I just feel like there's so much um, at stake and there's so much. Um, attacking our integration like you said our integrity as a family not just as immediate family but as as we grow into mm-hmm. multi-generational um it's it's really something that we have to be intentional about building up i, I just i love it i know we're drawing to a close here um yeah 
and I'll let Thaddeus do, I mean, make sure we're on time. But I, but one thing I do, I think this is a great topic that we need to come back and discuss because I think that absolutely it, the underpinnings that this provides allows for the scaffold, the scaffolds to be built, you know, mm-hmm. that, that need to be there to kind of shape our families and, and make it every building's a different building. Every family's unique and unrepeatable, but anyway. Yeah. And I think Adam, you know, what I'm sitting here being left with is, um, has to be a courageous willingness to just to say no to to certain things to to mm-hmm. to not try to do everything to not try to keep up with the Joneses to not try to be you know all things to all people so to speak but to really make discriminating decisions in light of what our ultimate goal is and who our ultimate fealty is to that's mm-hmm. our Lord. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And, nice. I, and amen to that. And I think once, if we can establish that with his grace, when we invite people into that, our neighbors, um, our family, even uh, as they travel, they come into something and that's, that's when they can experience what what a family on mission looks like. And um, we, we can be outward looking. We can invite people into it. And, um, once we have those rules established, that rule of life, and we're living it out, it, it'll change the world, you know, one family at a time. And I believe that. I believe yep. that. And I think that that's important for us to keep in mind. We don't have to write the the next bestseller or be on the front page of the newspaper. We need to love with with abandon and, and sacrifice um, and, and to show up for one another. And that's it. I mean, it's not, I mean, let God handle the rest, you know. Mm-hmm. And we can live out what we're called to be. Well, we love this, man, and we want yeah. to have you back to keep delving into this idea. Yeah, I think it'd be great. So um, I know right, we're drawing to close. Thanks for being here, Adam. And um, thank and I, you, guys. Thank and, you. And um, hold on, when we get through, but we're about to to end here. Just people always remember: uh, pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. And He will. God bless. From the grave.